If you'll remain standing with me at this time, and if you have a Bible, open up to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 will be our scripture this morning, and we will continue to stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. As always, if you do not have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen behind me. Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7 says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. May God bless the reading of this word. Please be seated at this time. So if you could go back 10 years and give yourself some advice, what would it be? I love that question. I love that question. I always think about what it would be like if, like, the 10-year-older version of myself, like, walked through those doors back there. Um, that'd actually be probably kind of creepy, but, because um, he looked like me, but 10 years older. Um, that'd be really creepy, actually. It'd probably ruin the service. But if he did, he'd walk in, and hopefully he would be kind to me, and he would give me some advice for my life. But Think about you. If you could go back 10 years and tell yourself something, give some practical, not, not general stuff, but like even really specific things, what would you tell yourself? It would probably be a list of do's and don'ts, wouldn't it? Like, don't get in that relationship, okay? Something like that. Don't look at your spouse. That'd be, that'd be really bad. <laughs> don't take that job, maybe. Or, or maybe you would say, no, do take that job. Do do that thing. Do some more of that. Have eight kids instead of three. I'm going bold here. Come on. But probably if you could give yourself some advice, ten years later, you'd have a list of things. Do this. Keep doing this. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't move to that place. Don't buy that house. Buy that house. Think about this. Consider this. If you could go back, you would give yourself some very specific advice. And the reason that you would do that is because you would be able to see the future. You would know what actually works in life, wouldn't you? It wouldn't be guessing. It wouldn't be walking in the dark like every day. We walk into the future. It blows my mind. We walk into the future every day kind of unaware of what's ahead of us. But it would be easy in that moment, wouldn't, to give yourself some advice because you would know the future. And yet the problem with that is, and the problem we often face in decision-making and knowing what we should be doing in life and the things we should and shouldn't do, is we do not know the future. We do not know all things. We are not all knowing. But what if I told you that the one who does know all things, the one who did create everything, the creator God himself, gave us a book in the Bible with clear-cut, straight, straight, no beating around the bushes, wisdom for your life. 
And not just wisdom for your life, but wisdom for your life that would be tied to a promise of the things that he would do in your life and what you could expect to see in your life if you would do these things as you were instructed. And the reality is that book exists. It's in the middle of your Bible, and it's called the book of Proverbs. And I've been studying for this series the past couple months, and man, it blows my mind why we don't reside in this book more often. I mean, it's so much good wisdom. It's all the stuff we're already talking about. It's relationships and money and worry and direction and decision-making. All these different things that we always think about and worry about are talked about in the book of Proverbs. But the problem is we don't know them and we don't read them. We don't read the Proverbs. We don't think about it. We kind of overlook it on the way to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or the book of Romans, or Ephesians, the good stuff in the New Testament, right? We just kind of, like always, we fly over the Old Testament, we land in the New Testament, and yet what you find in the Proverbs is wisdom that was written about 3,000 years ago that is still as relevant today. But we don't read it because we're just too busy tuning into CNN and finding out what Trump ate for breakfast, you know? that's important. We need to know what the man's up to, don't we? Or we're too busy trying to track down the new phenomenon among the kids, fidget spinners. Have you heard about fidget spinners? Someone actually handed me one before the service. Evan, thank you for this. This is a fidget spinner, and this is what the kids care about these days. When I was a kid, it was yo-yos. We had yo-yos, and that was like all the rage, like when I was growing up, right? But we're doing important stuff like tracking down fidget spinners, We don't read the wisdom of God that will clearly give us a better direction in life because we're often too busy checking Facebook for the three millionth time to see what everyone is outraged about today and to find out about what all of our friends are saying about stuff and what your friend's lunch looks like. You see, the Proverbs are eternal wisdom for God's people. Let me just list some of the topics it talks about. Money, relationships, Marriage, children, stress, organization, decision-making. Do you relate with any of that in your world today? And what I love about the Proverbs is that it is direct. Some of the faith, let's be honest, is mysterious that we follow. Yet the Proverbs are clear-cut wisdom for our life. As you'll look at in our text in Proverbs chapter 1, it says the Proverbs were written by Solomon. And so Solomon was a king in the Old Testament, one of the kings of Israel. He was the son of David, who was a king as well. And uh, a brief overview of Solomon is he's considered to be the wisest man who ever lived. He was not a perfect man, but a very wise man. He built a very big kingdom. He was a good organizer. And he was known for being the kind of guy that wanted to have a really good life with wise decision-making to avoid the common pitfalls that most people fall into. And even as a pastor, as I look at this book and I think about why this is really important for your life, one of the things that I have noticed in walking with the church and walking with people through their life, and maybe you can relate with this a little bit, is that so many people, so many people don't get to climb the mountain of life and all that God has for them. Because it's like they're always digging themselves out of the pit. 
They've always got something they're trying to come out of. They, they, they took a wrong turn, and, and God redeems us, and there is grace. But if we had understood God's wisdom, we could have clearly maybe avoided that mistake. And so it is my goal today and for this summer to help teach you the Proverbs that you would live a wiser life and that ultimately you would live a better life. So that is my goal. But turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And uh, just real quick, let's reread our text one more time. This morning, I would like to give a very general understanding of the Proverbs and what wisdom is. Proverbs 1. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. He says he gives this to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. And so he wants to guide us, give us wisdom as we take those steps forward in life. Let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And then we come to Proverbs 1 verse 7, which is considered to be the crux and the core of all the Proverbs where Solomon says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And the first thing this morning, before we talk about what exactly wisdom is and why it's important in your life, we need to know where wisdom comes from and how we get that in our life. And the first thing this morning is very simply, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What Solomon does not say is just, hey, do all these things and then it will be better. That's not what he says. The, a, a bad way to read the Proverbs is just to do like the classic, you ever do like Bible flip? You know, it's like, I don't know what to read today, so I'm just going to flip the Bible open and, you know, wherever the Spirit leads me, I'm going to go there, right? Which is not a very bad thing to do, but, you know, sometimes it's better to kind of have somewhat of a, a plan. But in, in the Proverbs, like, it's not like, oh, well, let's open Proverbs 7 and it says this and, okay, I'm going to do that this week and then everything's going to be better. That's not what Solomon says. What Solomon says is that the beginning, the fear of the Lord is ultimately the beginning of wisdom, that even if we were to read the Proverbs and not understand who God is, that he is the sovereign creator over our life who loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us, before we understand that, the Proverbs will just be legalism for us. It'll just be things we do for a better life and not something we're doing in conjunction with a relationship with God. And yet he says the word fear, which is, I think, tough for us in our context, the fear of the Lord. And that's kind of difficult because I think when we think of fear, we think fear is always bad, okay? We think fear is always bad. Our, our, we live in a time where people are we're, we're very sensitive and words, they, they mean a lot. And they say sticks and stones can break your bones, but words will never hurt me. That was the mantra of the 80s. That doesn't work anymore, okay? In our world these days, when you say the word fear, everyone thinks that's always a bad thing. But there's a lot of good fear in the world, isn't there? Riding a bike on the freeway, you should be afraid of that, okay? You should be very, very afraid of doing that because you want to live. Mixing cotton candy and salsa and eating it with a root beer float should make you afraid, okay? Some of y'all are like, I liked that before, I like that. You should be afraid of what happens if you lie, right? Isn't that a good kind of fear? 
Or what if I do something bad? Or what if I fail to live as God told me to live? What if bad things happen? Is that not a good fear? It's amazing. Molly's a year old now, my daughter, and it's so amazing how, like, she's just born with these natural instincts. And uh, you're going to think I'm a bad parent, but I'm not a bad parent, I don't think. Um, I was hanging out with her a couple of days ago, and I wanted to check and see if her reflexes were working. I'm kind of fascinated by that, you know. And so, no, it's, it's a good ending. Don't worry. I was safe with it, you know. But um, uh, it's funny. I, I, I was with her on the bed, and uh, I saw her, and I was like, I wonder if she, like, has, like, the natural instincts even at her age, like when she falls back to, like, to, like get scared or something like that. And so I had her. I was safe. Don't worry. I was safe. We're on the bed, you know. And I leaned her back, and it was so, it was so cute. She did, like, the, like, this whole thing, you know. I don't know why exactly we reflex like that when we fall. I caught her. Don't worry. It was, it was real light. It was low to the ground, you know. But even at her age, it's like there's this fear. It's like there's this self-preservation that in many ways is a good thing that we have in our life. And it's, it, it's born into us. There's a healthy fear from the time that we are born, which can lead us in good directions in life. Because is it not fear that leads you from problems in life? Is it not fear that leads you from people who you know are just out to cause you harm? Is it not fear that does those things? See, fear can be a very good thing in your life. And one of the problems in our culture is we have completely removed the idea that fear could ever be a virtue. That being so in awe of something good and something powerful and something perfect, we've, we've lost the idea of fear, so we don't even fear good things. And yet the scriptures say clear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That for your life, what you need to know is that there are wise choices and there are foolish choices. And the choices that you make will create your tomorrow. In Matthew chapter 7, if you want, you can turn there with me. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Listen to Jesus. And I I love this because I think a lot of times when we think of Jesus, we think of, um, you know, Jesus had a lot of really nice, loving, considerate, uh, things to say. He was very loving. He was very graceful. But, but that God, right, who's perfectly loving, also kind of gives us a very clear, you can't miss it, guidance here that the decisions you make really impact your life. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. This is what Jesus says. Everyone there who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does, does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. You know, it's interesting, I think, from the way we often think of Jesus, to hear Jesus say the word, you might be a fool. I wonder if there's any room in our world today, not in a derogatory way. The problem with the word fool is we often use it when we're just mad at somebody. You fool, you know, we say things like that. It's like, I don't like you or I'm frustrated with you. But the word fool and foolishness used in its proper context is a healthy kind of fear in our life that brings us wisdom which originates with the fear of the Lord. What Jesus says is, look, there's clear wisdom for your life. 
He's like, I'm, tell, I'm giving you wisdom. I'm giving you insight. I'm giving you guidance in your life. I am telling these things to you clearly. And if you build your house on them, you will be a wise person. You will withstand the trials of life. And if you do not, you will be foolish. You will build a house that will fall when the storms come. And does not Solomon say the exact same thing? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, as we approach the Proverbs this summer, our willingness to be open to literally read a proverb, to read something in the Word of God, and to say in a healthy way, I've been being a fool. I've been living like I shouldn't be living. And to change our life as a result of it is a sign of wisdom. It is not a sign of weakness. It is not a sign of ignorance. To be humble and to be open to changing your life and to bring it in accordance with the scriptures is a sign of wisdom and a sign that when the storms in your life come, you will not be destroyed. He says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that kind of wisdom. But also in the Old Testament, we see, because, you know, I think we think of God, we think of God very casually at times. And yet in the Old Testament, there's moments where, like, Moses goes up the mountain to meet with God, and he kind of has this experience with the presence of God. And it's so powerful, so transformational, it says he comes down and his face is glowing. There's moments in the Old Testament where God, like, will, will meet with people, but he's like, I can't let you see me in my fullness. You just kind of can see the very, very back end of me, because if you saw me, you would surely die. God is gloriously fearful. What would you rather have, a God whose greatness you could fully comprehend and see, or a God whose greatness and glory and holiness is so amazing and so wonderful that you can't even lay your eyes on it? It's just too good. This is why the fear of the Lord leads to wisdom, and wisdom leads to a good life, because the person who is humble, if they don't know everything, and is living before God is going to be constantly improving and aligning themselves with the wisdom that never returns void. And what this passage does, and specifically Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord, is it saves us from the problem and the reason that most people don't live wise lives. Because let me, let me tell you how this works out, like, in our, like the way we just naturally kind of believe, I think. We all admit that we're not all-knowing, so raise your hand if you know everything. Okay, where are my teenagers at? We're, we're, raise your hand if you, if you know everything. We don't know everything. We don't know the future. Anyone know the, all the future? Okay. Anyone want to tell me which freeways to avoid tomorrow? Yeah, that'd be great. So we're not all knowing. We don't know the future. And even the smartest ones of us, we barely know a fraction of the world's history. We barely know a fraction of a small, small percentage of all there is to know in the world. We're so limited. And the world says, just follow your mind. Just follow yourself. That's like telling a two-year-old, just follow your gut, kid. You got this. Telling a two-year-old toddler, just, just follow your gut. A two-year-old toddler that follows their gut will have a bunch of stuff in their guts because they eat everything, okay? I think, honestly, the whole, the whole season of toddlerhood is just learning what you can and cannot eat, right? That's the whole point of that season of life. And Molly is there and she eats everything. But the more that we become wise, the more we improve our life because God does know everything. God sees everything. 
God created you. God knows your purpose. God knows the plan he has for you. God's the one who redeems you when you sin and when you fall. And it is that God that knows everything, that is all-powerful, that created you, that knows how your life is supposed to play out, that gives you his direct, clear wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And may we be quick to read it this summer. And may we learn from it. You see, when we pull off the dock of self-sufficiency, we begin to sail towards a much better life and a much better tomorrow. Uh, one of the things we're doing with our, our young marriage group is we're going through a series um, entitled A Better Marriage in, in One Summer. And the first four weeks before we dive into practical issues, all we're doing literally is just like reading what the Bible says about marriage. It's amazing how the most important things in our life and even the things that struggle, we've never taken the time to like ask God, hey, what do you think about this? Is it possible that for you in your life, whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, whatever is your challenge, whatever that thing is that makes your stomach turn at this season of your life, what's ever getting you down, is it possible that God knows a lot about that and could guide you out of that with his perfect and good wisdom? If God loves you so much to send his son to die on the cross for you, will he not that much more give you the wisdom that you need for your life? So the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And yet, real quick, let's look at just what wisdom is. Turn to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. I love this passage. Proverbs 2, 6 through 15. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen as well. I think this is where we begin to find as we fear the Lord, as we trust him, as we submit to him, as we come under his wisdom, this is what wisdom is going to do for our lives. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of the saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of, right, of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. I think a working, helpful definition as to what wisdom is from a biblical perspective based upon this passage is that wisdom is fixing your mistakes before you make them. Wisdom is fixing your mistakes before you make them. Wisdom is the knowledge of God who knows everything, protecting and guarding your path. As it says in chapter 2, verse 8, He guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. What Solomon seems to connect here is that when we walk in accordance with God's scriptures and commands, it's not just like, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you live. This is what happens, right? This is, this is what's right. It's not just that, though that's true. It's like as we walk in accordance with the Lord's, Lord's ways, God guides us through giving us wisdom. God guides us through leading us in life and helping us avoid a lot of the problems that we will come into. This past, uh, past weekend, um, House and I had the privilege for our five-year anniversary to Colorado. Love, it, raise your hand if you've ever been to Colorado. Colorado is so beautiful. Yeah, a lot of people, yeah. So we went to Colorado 
And uh, one of the things before we left that I tasked my wife with was I said, okay, baby, it's your job to pick the hiking stuff that we're going to do, okay? So Halsey gets on Google, starts looking at a bunch of stuff, and she says she has this plan of what we're going to do, right? And so my wife, being the wonderful lady that she is, you know, she likes a challenge, which I like about her, you know, especially with, like, physical stuff. You know, she, she ran track in college, so she looks for challenges nowadays and things like that. And so she's like, I got this one thing we got to go do, right, this one, like, hiking trail. Because I told her to go search for, like, hiking, and so she does, she Googles most challenging hike in Colorado, okay? That, that's what she Googles, Right. Because, you know, straight to the top, that's my wife, you know. It's like with her, physical fitness is like she likes the challenge, she likes the grind. And so uh, she tells me when we get there, we're going to do supposedly one of the most challenging ones in Colorado. And if you've ever been to Colorado um, and you've, you do hiking and you know Pikes Peak, you know where the story is going um, and kind of wh- what we were heading into. Um, so anyway, we, we get there. And uh, we're excited because we're going to, like, we're not going to do, like, the wussy stuff. You know, we're going straight to the top. You know, we're going to do, like, the hardest one. And then we think after that everything will be easier, right? But we're learning that Colorado hiking is very different than, like, Houston hiking, right? Cute little hills and things like that. Um, Colorado hiking is like, 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 Houston hiking is like, like this. Colorado hiking is like this. It's just like, it's just straight up, you know? And, um, and so we get there, but um, by God's sovereign, wonderful grace, uh, before we uh, got going, we're at the Rocky Mountain National Park, and, and we're asking about information about the Pikes Peak Trail. And so Halsey walks up to this lady who's like the visitor helper, and like, well, maybe we should ask him how to get there, right? Because we want to know how to get the Pikes Peak so we can hike it. And she goes up to the lady, and she's like, hey, um, she's so cute. I love my wife. You know, she's got her little, her little like, jogging outfit on, her, her athletic pants. she got her, like, really colorful shoes, her Asics, you know, really good running shoes. And so she's just decked out for Houston hiking, mind you, right? Not Colorado hiking, right? And so she goes up to the lady at the visitor desk, and she's like, hey, um, where's Pikes Peak? We want to go hike it, you know? And the lady kind of stares at her kind of oddly, you know? And the, the lady's response was, I kid you not, was literally, um, do you have an ice pick? Because you're going to need that. She's like, what? She's like, no, but I got my Asics on, you know? And she's like, do you have snow boots? It snows up there. I know it's May. I know you're from Houston. I know you're ignorant to weather, but it still snows here like all year round, at least up in the highest parts. She's like, uh, no, this is what I'm dressed in. She's like, um, yeah, you can't do She's like, Hikes Peak is like climbing up a snowy mountain. She's like, think Mount Everest. That's kind of what it's like more so than what you're thinking it's like. And what was amazing was because Halsey had the courage to ask somebody and gain a little guidance, we learned that you don't have to die a lonely death in the Rocky Mountains from frostbite to learn that you just can't casually climb up the Rocky Mountains. And that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is not always having to learn the hard way with everything. One of the narratives I love, and I, I love reaffirming in my own life, is that God helps us overcome things in our life. And that is true. God is gracious and loving. And we talk a lot about that, don't we? That God, like, like, like God's not done with you. If you're down, God can redeem you. God can help you. The gospel can revive your life. We talk about being an overcomer, but what about being an overstepper in life? 
What if by God's grace, having saved us and now given us the scriptures, as we're learning and growing in sanctification, we can learn how to have a marriage where it doesn't have to get really bad before we get to the point where we say, you know what, man, we want to make this better. You see, wisdom is fixing mistakes that you haven't even yet made. It's one of the reasons why I love uh, premarital counseling. And, and just to be honest, just counseling in general for everything. Once again, we always think counseling is like your life is falling apart, go to counseling. Like, counseling's good for everybody. Just some kind of a guidance, just some, I mean, it's like in premarital counseling, it's like, what do you do? You're, you're asking questions to see, is there any possible things that may trip you up in the future? And is it possible if we identify those things in your life, that, that maybe we could handle those things right now with someone who is shepherding you and guiding you and walking with you. And so maybe you may never even have that problem or that tension in your marriage ever. You see, that is the value of wisdom. You know, we always say we want God to protect us and to guide us. And I think wisdom is one of the primary ways that God does this. I mean, do you not see in, in the text like the connection between as we walk in the Lord's ways that he guides those ways? He says he is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Like, like God is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of his saints. Discretion, he says, will watch over you. Understanding, verse 11, will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech. You see, here's the main idea, church. May, in a message of grace, we not lose the idea that God wants to guide you in your path of sanctification to the point where we're actually beginning to not just have God walk with us through the tough times, but in the things that we can avoid by God's grace, avoiding them with wisdom. This is why you need to live in the Proverbs. This is why you need to know the Proverbs. The Proverbs speaks to the things that you're going through. I think the problem is too often faith is reactive and not proactive. Amen? We, we lean on God when, when things get tough, but what about when things are good? And it's like, God, man, how, how, how much more could you guide me? Like, God, where are the areas I'm still being a fool? Where can you correct me? Even though it hasn't blown up yet, God, what, what can you change in my life? What mistakes can I fix before I make them? In Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8, it says, Go to the ant. Okay, so he's about to shame us by using an ant. I love this. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Yes, this is in the Bible. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in the harvest. (laughs) Translation, ants are often smarter than we are because they prepare because they know what is coming and they make provisions in the moment for those things you see fools live reactively in life wise people the scriptures say live proactively in life The Proverbs invite you, and wisdom and discerning what the Lord's will is and where he's guiding you invites you to be one step ahead of your sin and of your problems. 
We need to be able to use the word fool. We need to admit in the ways in which we are being foolish that by God's grace we can change and become wise and be the lights in the world that we're called to be. This is the last main idea today. Wisdom is preemptive grace. Wisdom is preemptive grace. Think of a preemptive attack, right? So two countries are about to go to war, and one country gets word that the other country is going to attack them. It's a done deal. They're making the plans for it. They're aligning the, the ships and the army, and they're getting ready to attack. And the wise country says, well, we're going to be in war no matter what. So us attacking them isn't going to start a war that's not going to happen, right? So we know they're coming for us. And so we might as well gain a strategic advantage by having a preemptive strike on them. And wisdom is God's preemptive grace in your life. You see, in Proverbs 2, 6, what it says is, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so what that proverb tells us is we often think grace is just like God forgiving our failures. But what if God is giving you grace for the future of your life and helping redeem you from things you have not even fallen into yet? You see, we often think that the Proverbs are legalistic, right? Just do this and, and then God will give you something. We, we've allowed the prosperity gospel to, to distort what, what prosperity really is. The idea of, oh yeah, sow a seed in my ministry and I'll give you, you'll get a million dollars from God or something, right? And so we're afraid to say the idea that many of the Old Testament commandments came with just clear guidance from God as to what would happen whenever they followed those commands, If you see the Proverbs as preemptive grace, you will apply them properly in your life and you will thrive. As we draw to a close today, I want to let you know something really, really clear. And I say this in a way that can hopefully help your life thrive this summer. And this is a true reality for all of us. Think about this. Your future hangs in the balance. Your future hangs in the balance. I believe by God's grace, the fact that we're going to go through this series together, that there will be many of us who were on the path to make unwise decisions that could have possibly even like ruined our lives that will preventatively avoid those things because of the wisdom of God that came into their life. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. It says, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Which path do you want to be straight in your life? Is it raising kids? Is it your job? Is it decision-making? Is it marriage? Is it anxiety? What is that thing for you? I love in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it says, For by grace you've been saved through God's work. 
And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I love that image because it says that before you were even born, God was creating good works that you could walk in. And is it not amazing that on the cross 2,000 years ago, when Jesus dies and on the cross, he says the amazing words, it is finished. He has died for your sin. He's about to raise to new life. That long before you ever sinned, long before your life ever fell apart, God was redeeming it. See, God is so far above us. We're kind of down in the nitty-gritty, the the everyday, and we're making decisions, and we're making small-picture decisions, and God is offering us his wisdom. That when we hear his words and his commands and we apply them, we enter our life into the promises and the guidance and the protection of God. You see, redemption isn't just saving you from what you would have done. Or saving you from what you did, it's saving you from what you may have done, if not by the grace of God. May we see a future grace. May we see wisdom as God's preemptive grace over our lives. May we learn, may we grow this summer, and may we live lives that are wonderful and to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, how amazing is it that you give us so much insight and guidance? And Lord, I I don't know why, but so often it feels like when you call us to do things or you instruct us in something, we resist it, Lord. Father, it is my prayer today that we would be familiar with your scriptures and with your guidance and that we would trust them to guide us in all the different areas of our lives. Give us the guidance we need, Lord, through your word. And give us the strength in your spirit to follow it. God, we are excited about the plans that you have for us. May we walk in them. And may we enjoy you. I pray all these things in the name of the Father.